Welcome back to Frame FM. Today on our episode, we have uh, Neil Smith, who's the VP of Technical Support at Iterable. Thank you for coming on Thank this you for day me. Of, of a support-driven conference in lovely Philadelphia. It's actually beautiful out today. Please, I'll introduce yourself to him. Yeah, Neil Smith, VP of Technical Support, like you say. Um, I've been with Iterable for five years. It was five years, actually, on Sunday. Yeah. So, um, Iterable is a customer communication platform, so we're helping our customers communicate with their own customers. And we do it by bridging what they call the activation gap. You know, our customers have all this data on their customers, and they want to connect with them some way or another. But actually, using that data to communicate in the best way possible is really quite difficult unless you use a platform iterable that we open up all the different communication channels and allow them to use workflows and experimentation and AI technology to make sure those communications are as impactful and joyful for the end user as possible. So is that a double-edged sword sometimes where you guys are expected to communicate expertly all the time because of what you represent? I think we're held to a fairly high standard. Luckily, our marketing team were really good. You know, we talked about this moments ago earlier and uh, we're very lucky you know, when you're in the martech space having an excellent marketing team is kind of very important it's and, key. and we have that these so. are just as important if not more important than customer support it's all important i'm gonna <laughs> of course i'm gonna say that support is a key business driver as well oh yeah yeah absolutely in the five years you've been with the company boost in supports and how has you adapted really about yeah what hasn't changed there's more of a question more channels yeah. more geographic coverage, more people, more entitlements that we provide to our customers, more expectations from our customers as well. You know, we've moved into new verticals, larger customers who there are some things that they just expect a support team to deliver. It's you know? more mature now, obviously. Absolutely. It's grown up yeah. very quickly. Yeah. I mean, when I started, we were providing coverage eight hours a day, five days a week, Pacific time. That was it. Now we're at 24 hours a day, five days a week with on-call coverage over the weekend and line of sight to 24 by 7 in the next few months. Yeah, so even something like that, hours of coverage has changed very dramatically. So from a technology standpoint and how you manage support, what is mission critical for you? Well, obviously your team platform is key when the rare occasions when Zendesk is down is panic station, mm -hmm. definitely yeah, for sure. us. We made a few very small but very key investments over the years it's a pretty awesome little third-party app that you can use with zendesk called round robin mm. it's really cheap it's like 150 bucks a year or something yeah. and it handles all of the automated ticket assignment mm -hmm. just something really small like that was a game changer as this queue and it looked to see who's online and you know we could have a few rules set up to say we don't want european tickets to go to u.s mm -hmm. agents and vice versa but identifying those key game-changing technologies has definitely been really helpful for us. How do you feel like the strategic role of support has been? I mean, you gave a great talk earlier kind of about how you interact and kind of broadcast the support message to the rest of the company and how that gets assessed. How do you feel like it's been taken from a strategic standpoint? I think you have to deliver a really great product. You know, if you consider support to be a product itself, I mean, as I was saying in my talk earlier, Within SaaS, support is part of the service. So just as having three nights of, of uptime on your platform is a key consideration for the customers, having really responsive, good customer, technical customer support is part of the whole experience for the customer. 
So you have to come at it from that perspective. You can't just be like, we're there to help people when things go wrong. Like, no, we are actually part of, of the whole product. Right. So that's one thing. And then as you build out your team and having a great hiring method of hiring and good interview techniques and building out a diverse and really high quality team, a strategic differentiator. I think. Right, because if you're treating like a skew, making sure that that skew is as competitive and as attractive as possible is yeah. a huge part. Top quality. Yeah, it really needs to be. And then the final piece of it is telegraphing that out to all the stakeholders. So to my boss and to the CSMs who have worked with our customers on a daily basis, to the sales team, they know when they walk into a competitive deal that one of the things they can pull out of their back pocket is our support is second to none. That is differentiator and therefore sure. it's part of our strategic approach. We certainly try. I mean, we are very proud of CSAT scores that we have, which are typically 99%. Oh. And wow. A lot of that, I think, comes down to we focused very, very heavily on first response time. The example that I always give is when you're calling the cable company, people still have cable these days, but guilty as charged. But I also have a Google or YouTube TV. Right. Yeah. So if you call the cable company, would you rather be on hold for 30 minutes and then get the answer in five seconds or the other way around? I think people want to be heard. They want that really fast first response. Once you've talked to them, and you've told them, hey, this is going to take 30 minutes. Yeah. They're fine being on hold for that. But right. if you do it the other way around, it's a much less pleasant customer experience. And so we've focused on that a lot. And our first response times are really, really high. And I think that's the significant, the CSAT scores. If only the cable companies can enhance their customer yeah. support. It's, yeah. I'm sorry, if they're listening, you know, uh, just do something yeah. about it. You know, they come over and nothing's ever fixed. And it's, it just takes forever. Do you feel that your team and your group has more of a seat at the executive table than ever today or more of a voice? So at Iterable, what is part of customer success? It has the CSM function, it has support professional services. And within PS, there's like customer ed, implementation, strategic services and the like. And so our seat at the table is through the senior VP of customer success. It's really up to him to make sure that he's representing the needs of our piece of the business. And I'm very lucky. SVP of, of CS is awesome he's been at the company for five years now as well i've never had a team just yeah. together in the company yeah, yeah exactly very few people actually go through their careers where they have this name boss five years yeah. and it's oh, a really wow. interesting experience yeah with the fact that support rolls up through customer success alongside the customer success management function and the professional services function that's our seat at the table so the svp of customer success represents us in the exec team and because he and i worked together for five years we have a very, very close relationship. Who gets to the same boss for five years is very, very rare. So let's well, let's give him a shout out. What's his name? Krishna. Krishna Reddy. Krishna Reddy, a shout out today. Good job. Being a great boss, a great coworker. So I do feel like if I ever really, truly need something from the executive team, he will go to bat for us. And most of the time, we can get what we need. And some of the time, you know, the business says it's not going to happen. And that's it. That's how it works. And we're fine with that. Fantastic. Gave a talk earlier that was kind of giving everybody some background and how to characterize problem, getting with gross margins and things like mm-hmm. that. Were you always approaching problems from that angle or is that something you learned along the way? I learned along the way. Fiscal piece of running a support team. I think gradually you get more and more into what's happening behind the scenes and finance starts to come to you. You know, as your team gets larger that you have on cost of goods sold and gross margins and all of that yeah. becomes bigger and bigger. Right, sure. And so it's only a matter of time before 
your CFO, your finance team come to you and say, hey, look, we need to kind of keep an eye on this, this, and that. It's the right thing for a support team to be able to at least break even. You're spending X number of dollars on salaries and benefits and tech stack and all of that. But if you're also able to charge for support, and a lot of B2B SaaS companies do, a lot of them don't and probably should. B2C SaaS, it's a slightly different thing. So it's harder to charge for support in that area, but certainly B2B. I think you should be, for the most part. Support is part of the service. It's part of the product. So if you can charge for cloud servers and all the code that runs on an issue, you can charge for support at the same time. And being able to pull in as much revenue as you're actually costing the company and break even, that's a good narrative to be able to have. Right. And I imagine that's pretty empowering when you're going to be into these conversations with other parts of the org. You need to say, I need something. It's like, I don't need something necessarily to reduce costs. I need something to help make more money. Yeah, it's a much more attractive kind of conversation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our premium support offering, which is called Premier Support, you're always talking to the same support agent every time you reach out. We give them a shared Slack channel so that they can do that. They love it. It's just a great yeah, support experience. experience. Great. And most yeah. communications probably see that collaboration. Exactly. Like yeah. The old school, like right. probably calling them up and they're not here. Yep. They're in the office or whatever it might be. Yep. And there's only so many customers that each of those Premier Support agents can actually look after and for us it's about 12 and like your customers did they pay for that Is they would pay for that uh, it based on the size no it's part of the support package that they choose so we have three packages and it's part of the highest i imagine uh, the sales people are coming to you all the time they're working deal. hey you need to give a discount on this side yeah yeah <laughs> of course generally speaking we shouldn't be discounting that kind of thing of course so, it's annualized contract right yeah so yeah it's considered arr it is arr yeah. and therefore it's commissionable for us as salespeople. So it's in their interest to try and get as much as possible. But because we can only support a certain number of customers for each named support agent, I have a very clear story when I go to finance at the start of the year. They say, hey, we expect X number of new customers and this percentage of them is likely to opt for the highest tier of support. And then I know how many new premier support customers I'm going to have and therefore how many agents I'm going to need to staff that. It's a very, very straightforward math. Finance likes that. Now, are you usually pulling from Premier Support agents? Are they coming from the team that already exists, or are you hiring specifically for that role? It's great because it is a career path that we have now established. You start in Tier 1, and then the next step is Premier Support. And then for those that are interested in being more technical, they can then move into Tier 2. There's a possibility that they could go straight into kind of a manager role, mm-hmm. or there might be other openings within the organization that they might be interested in well, as well. So, yeah. That's great. So how much of your like day-to-day is thought about? I need to figure out a path for my team. Because I think a lot of folks that are managing large groups, if you're going to keep people engaged, you need to be able to clearly communicate about that path. That ultimately really comes down to my managers. We have an expectation that each manager revisits each individual development plan on a quarterly basis. So, oh, so that's actually part of like the KPIs for them. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So they should be having these conversations quarterly and evaluate what are your current career aspirations? What kind of goals can we put in place to allow you to achieve those aspirations? How do we track those goals? So if you revisit that quarterly, you can be sure that you all know what the kind of is like for each of the individual contributors. And so that's the responsibility of the managers. Yeah, but setting up that transparent framework, I imagine, is just huge for your employee experience. I think so. Our employee engagement scores are good. Yeah. Our retention has been very good. Over the course of the last four years, when I've been looking at data, 90% of the people we've hired in 
those four years are still with us. I think that, that's, that's a big, especially because you guys have a technical product, right? Yeah. So it's like getting like the learning curve of a new agent. I mean, you could come in and be extremely intelligent, but it still takes a little bit to kind of get. No, no, it's a huge testament to your company, especially the last five years or so, when people were moving around and there was money flowing everywhere. So what do you think that Airbus still running? There's a few things. It really helps to be in a growing business. It's clear that we've got product market fit. The message around the products is good. We're providing value to our customers. And when you do that, the business grows. Right. When the business is growing, it gives you many more opportunities for career path, career development for your team than if the business was static. So that's really helpful. So the last five years have been a whirlwind for you. So you started, I think you were in like 23, so you started in 18, correct? Yeah. You know, 18, you're learning about the ways of interval. 19 was getting, getting confident, building, everything's great. And then 2020, yeah. People and the unknown, right? And so how did you adapt to everything that's going on around the world for during the lockdown? For a, a few different periods that I think we can all resonate with. Those first few days were very different to the weeks that followed, which were very different to the months that followed those. Mm -hmm. But we very quickly needed to evaluate what the impact on our business would be. And that really came down to evaluating what the impact on our customers' business was going to be. And so we pulled back a little bit on what our goals for the year were. And so that meant that we changed things just a little bit in terms of expected headcount growth. And then as we've all seen, the transition to so much more of the digital economy, that ended up actually being a real tailwind for a company like us. Our customers right. were having to figure out, how do I engage with my customers when I can't do it in person? Right. Um, I'm going to build that solution. Yeah. And they, back the personalization of communications is one of the key pieces of what Iterable is all about. And key. customers now expect that level of personalization. They don't want to be batched and blasted with emails. No. They want push notification on the app that is, I see that you are here and you'd be interested in this particular store or this particular restaurant or what have you that's nearby. We call it the Amazon effect. It's like, you know, when Amazon came out and Prime started and all this stuff, all of a sudden now every retailer had to do two-day shipping. Every retailer had to have perfect customer experience. Yeah. It's the communication that's really just the most important, especially in those times. And yeah, me being in the communication business prior to this at Dynamic Signal, we lived that time where mm. companies got caught with their parents. No, they couldn't even communicate with their own employees. Right. If you think about it, you talk about frontline workers, 70% of the global workforce don't have an email address. Mm. And we yeah. don't know many people that don't have a corporate email address because right. in our world, you email people, you Slack people. Yeah. But it was a very challenging time. It was eye-opening in a way. Yeah. You're so right about the communications and, yeah. and the importance of it. The human element, your employees, they're all now. Right. And how did you deal with that with your employees? Yeah. So, you know, the, the tailwind of the business continuing to grow really well through that period and all of the benefits around uh, career path and everything that came with that was really helpful. There are some people that we know are doing much better being fully remote and that we now have also some people who really do kind of miss being in the office. Of course. And there's the widespread in between. But I think we've all discovered that we're a lot more flexible than yeah. we've realized. There's a lot more opportunity available to you by having a more flexible approach. And, and to give credit to Iterable, they have been very throughout the period from the start of the pandemic and constantly reevaluating what is the right approach, what's good for the business, and what's good for employees. Yeah. And that flexibility, ultimately, I think that's what employees want, is flexibility yeah. more than anything else. And we've been able to provide that. And so I haven't really seen too many people have issues with the current work 
modes that we have, we are starting to try and focus a bit more on ways of bringing everyone together. And once a year, the original plan was the company would come together once a year. And so the first one of those was in February 2020. Great timing. <laughs> yeah. So we had that minds when we all had to go lock down. And then we weren't able to do that again until this year, but we did all get together in Vegas this year and it was phenomenal. Yeah. So nice. yeah, it must have been great. So many people sometimes re- meet in person for the first time, yeah. you know, that you've been working with. Yes. A lot of people who used to be in person before the pandemic who were still with the company, they get that chance to reconnect. The people who joined in the intervening time, they get a chance to meet people they've never met before. It was really that's a wonderful experience. Yeah, well, and we're going to wrap this up soon. But I wonder, you know, being that like generative AI, it's all you're hearing about mm-hmm. right now. Like everybody's talking about it. Yeah. And again, it's right. How do you look at AI and how could it help you as a support leader, mm. more importantly? Yeah. AI has been something that we've been focused on in terms of product for quite some time. So when I first started, a key piece of iterable was an experimentation functionality so that you could send out A, B, last determine what is the best subject line to have and we've gradually expanded that capability you know, have you know, send time optimization and, and audience segment optimization and that kind of thing so we have a whole team that's focused on the ai side of the product so that's the product piece in terms of ai and supports it wasn't too long ago maybe 18 months ago we began to utilize a chatbot not for our paying support customers for our customers who want a free support offering just to give one more way for them to get answers before needing to get onto an agent so it was good for customers because if they had an issue that really didn't need agent intervention they could get that taken care of pretty quickly we still allowed them to open a ticket at the end of that if they needed to we've evaluated that looked at the number of tickets deflected and cost per ticket and compare that to the cost of the platform that we use and it's coming out very, very well. ROI of 200%, something like that. So it's really good. And it will only get better. You know, as chat GPT and the other NLP models that have been used by Google and Microsoft, those develop and start to be integrated into the platform that we use right now, then they are looking at new models to utilize in their their own algorithm. I know a company that does that really well. Yeah. You know, are you familiar with that company? (laughs) I refuse to be part of this shield. Just you're maybe kind of a five of us. So as you're thinking about it, like if you could give advice to a support, like we're at a support leadership conference right now, if you could give advice to somebody, let's say they just got promoted to that director level, just got promoted to the manager level, what would you tell them? I think one of the things that's been most helpful for us really has been a strong focus on the hiring and onboarding experience Mm -hmm. for our team members. If you have great team members, you're going to have a great customer experience. You have a great customer experience is going to drive better business outcomes. So down to the situation with job descriptions, for example, do you have a job description that brings in a nice diverse pool of candidates? Once you have that level of diversity, you increase the feelings of belonging for people who are on the team and they stick around for longer, they get better at their jobs. So yeah, really focusing on bringing a big diverse pool of candidates when you are looking to hire new positions, I think. That lays the groundwork for everything else you build on top of it. Yeah, your foundation's your team. Yeah. Yeah, we usually end the show by asking some questions about you and things that your coworker doesn't know about you. Mm. Your passions. Yeah. Things that you like to do. Yeah. Um, so do you share with me some of your coworkers don't know about you. 
Yeah, so some of my coworkers do know this, but there are others who, who don't. And my background is actually music. I have a music degree. And I worked in the music industry after I graduated many, many, many years ago. But I've always been involved in music. These days, my primary outlet is I have a band playing 90s alternative rock covers. And Wait. yeah, we play weddings and I play guitar. We play weddings, we play 40th birthday parties, 50th birthday party. Yeah, that's like. Third Eye Blind, Green Day, Chili Pills, oh, oh, Jam, all that. Yeah, it's great fun. Well, do you know the history of this place? A little bit. I know this. it's great that we're in a non-profit performance venue. Yes, and it just grew alone. This is the green room. It's a little nothing room. But we had, in the last two years, the likes of Counting Crows in here, mm -hmm. Lizzo, John Mayer, Coldplay. Mm -hmm. Some remarkable artists that were yep. in this little room. It's very rare now. No, and kind of now, and now it's not as it's long in the average. No. But we have a less poll we talked about. Anyway, well, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Sure. This has been a great conversation, yeah. although we had a couple of technology glitches, but thanks to the internet and the yeah. cable companies. Power better than we're going to yeah, end this out. We have power. Sure. Thanks for right. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Great.